0: The Boston Red Sox farm system has three high ceiling hitters at premium defensive positions. Not really a lot of anything else. Let's talk about it. Um. You are locked on MLB prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit fanduel.com slash lockedon. To get started. So, looking at the Boston Red Sox, not necessarily the season you wanted to have last year, seventy-eight and eighty-four, and then not really the off-season you wanted to have uh, this year, missing out on some prominent players and really giving some ill-advised comments about how much money you were going to spend in free agency, right? And so, naturally, the hopes turn towards the farm system to see what kind of help we can get from the farm and the top of the system has three high ceiling promising hitters one from each of the last three drafts so the 2021 draft your first round pick Marcelo Meyer out of California 78 games last year between high a and double a and I'm going to give you the stat line and then explain why it's not as bad as it sounds like it is so for Marcelo Meyer 236 306 433 13 home runs 34 extra base hits, 32 walks, 286 strikeouts, and 9 of 14 on stolen bases. There are concerns when you give that slash line for a guy who was in double A to bat 236. There are, most people would have legitimate questions about the hit tool, the power tool, a lot of that kind of stuff. But it's important to note that uh, May 7th, Marcelo Meyer had a shoulder injury. And the stats before and after are significantly different. And I'm not saying you can discount the rest of the season. I'm not saying that you can take that 23-game sample early in the year as gospel, but it's relevant context that you need to properly evaluate Marcelo Meyer. So prior to May 7th, prior to that injury, 23 games, Marcelo Meyer was batting 337. 414, 582. 15 extra base hits again in 23 games, 13 walks to 24 strikeouts. From that injury to the rest of his season, which was 55 total games, so more than double the sample size from the first part, he batted 190, 256, 366. Only 19 extra base hits again in 55 games. 19 walks to 62 strikeouts. So you can see the impact the shoulder injury had, even though it wasn't something where he had to miss significant time. Obviously, that is a very significant and obvious line of demarcation between performance before, performance after. And when you look at some of the stuff under the hood, there were some good numbers told despite the injury and things like that. His 90th percentile exit velocity went up from 103 to 105. This was his age, I believe it was his age 20 season. So 105 against the MLB average of 103 and change. So already showing above average power at age 20. His zone contact number was in the low 80s. Whereas last year in 22, it was in the high 70s. So you see some of these numbers get better. I think at the end of the day, what you're looking at for Marcelo Meyer is an above average hit tool and plus power, right? Now, a lot of this is going to depend on how healthy he is and can he get back into a groove offensively when he debuts or when he comes back in 24, but I'm not as concerned about Marcelo Meyer's future as the stats would have you think you should be, because again, Small sample, but he was absolutely crushing prior to the injury. Now, from a defensive perspective, uh, mostly shortstop. 71 games at short, 7 games at DH. The arm is Plus, I think he should be able to stick at least early in his career at shortstop. There's a little bit of questions about the range for Marcelo Meyer. But the good thing is, because of the Arm being plus, because of... The power profiling, he could kick out to third base a little bit later in his career if he needed to, and still be a positive contributor defensively. Obviously, you've got Rafi at third base right now. In three to four years, I don't know if he's going to be looking at a potential move to first base or not, but uh, I do think at least initially in his career, Marcelo Meyer should be able to play shortstop and stick at shortstop. So... We don't directly address fantasy baseball a lot on this show, but I do think there's probably an avenue here if the if the owner of Marcelo Meyer in your dynasty league is down on him because of the poor statistical performance, I think you can go out and acquire Marcelo Meyer and expect him to rebound in 24. The two other top prospects in the system, catcher Kyle Teal, outfielder Roman Anthony. Let's talk about Anthony first. Second rounder in 2022, out of high school, out of Florida. 106 games between single A, high A, double A. He went all the way to double A last year in his first full season. 272, 403, 466. 14 homers, 45 extra base hits for Roman Anthony. 86 walks to 119 strikeouts and 16 to 23 on stolen bases. I like a lot of the stuff about Roman Anthony, both in live looks and under the hood with the advanced numbers. So, Looking at those metrics that we check out, 90th percentile exit velocity of 106 for his age 19 season, a little bit absurd, right? 106 mile an hour, 90th percentile exit below. Again, 103 and change is the MLB average. Uh, Contact, zone contact, he had 85% zone contact. Chase was under 20%. A lot of things to like, right? Now that contact did fluctuate later in the season as one, he started facing uh, tougher pitchers who could better uh, figure out what they were trying to do and adequately or correctly do it. And then also, uh, as the scouting report got out on Roman Anthony and the story became like, hey, he has an, an inordinate amount of difficulty with breaking balls. So there are still things to work on. But it's a really enticing package of a guy that should be able to, like he doesn't chase a ton, under 20%, he has good contact, especially in the zone, he has good power, you're looking at, could be plus hit tool, could be plus power tool. Still some things to work on, breaking balls, things like that, but you like the package for Roman Anthony. Defensively, he split, he played mostly center field, 68 games in center, should have played one more, 19 in right, one game in left. The arm is above average. The speed is, it really looks like average when you watch him both in person and on film. And so the issue with that is he's looking at 6'2", 200. I feel like if that's true, that's undershooting it a bit on both the height and the weight. And so he's hes probably going to, he, all likelihood, he's going to slow down a little bit. And so I think right field's going to end up being where Roman Anthony plays. Again, the arm's above average. It profiles for right field. He can crush. He can not only hit for power, he can do it to all fields just from having watched him some last year. So really impressed with Roman Anthony. Really think, obviously, he needs more experience, but it's a potential star profile going forward. The third guy, not as much on him because we haven't seen a ton of him. 26 games last year after the draft, but Kyle Teal, first-round pick out of the University of Virginia. Now, the statistics, fantastic, right? 363, 483, 495 in the 26 games post-draft. Rookie ball, high A, double A. Two homers, eight extra base hits, 21 walks to 22 strikeouts, three of three on stolen bases. Offensively, I've got a little bit of a question about where the power ceiling's going to end up for Kyle Teagle. But what I do like about this fit of player to team is... Lefty hitters in Fenway, I feel like his power really manifests when he pulls balls, both from having watched him at Virginia and catching a little bit of his post-draft stuff. And the pesky pole is not that far away in Fenway. So if you're a lefty hitter that can pull it down the line, it feels like your his power is going to play up a little bit at home from where its true level probably is as a fringe to average power bat. He's not necessarily here for that, though. I think he's a catcher that could bat 280. It's a really good hit tool. And then defensively, he is really good. The pop times are good. Uh, it's The defense, it's probably between above average and plus. I really haven't seen enough to definitively say where it is. Uh, defense is, just takes a lot longer to get an accurate read on. Caught stealing was at 29%, uh, but... That did fluctuate. He was at 30% in high A, where he spent most of his time, 33% in rookie ball, 22% in double A. So we'll figure out where that goes. But the pop times are good. The arm is good. The accuracy's there. I expect that to be above average to plus defense behind the plate. And so like, legitimately, it feels like an all-star ceiling for Kyle Teal as a guy who can Run good batting averages, hit for a surprising amount of power, given the fact, again, he's at home, pesky pole is not that far away, and give you really good defense behind the plate, which would mean you've got some pretty good catchers there in the American League East. In just a minute, none of these guys are ready to debut in 2024. There are a couple guys that are. We'll discuss how that's going to go next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is about getting some great food. We're already planning on making garlic butter wings because garlic butter wings, lemon pepper wet, those are the two best types of wings. I don't make the rules. That's just how it works. But going to have a lot of snacks to go along with it and play some really fun bets. We really enjoy doing, we make sheets for prop bets for the Super Bowl, who's going to score first, the color of the Gatorade, the length of the anthem, all that kind of fun stuff. And FanDuel has a lot of those really interesting prop bets as well. Obviously, you can bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl, but you can bet on Super Bowl 58, which players will score a touchdown, how many points are going to be scored, all kind of fun stuff like that. So, New customers join today, and you'll get two hundred dollars in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars or more wins. Visit fanduel.com/lockedon to sign up. Again, that's fanduel.com/lockedon. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked On MLB Prospects, talking about the Boston Red Sox. And second segment, we always do the players you might see in 2024. And this picture got a little bit muddy over the winter break because you saw trades bringing players into the organization, both at the minor league and the major league level. So uh, one of the more prominent trades for the Red Sox this offseason was sending Chris Sale to the Atlanta Braves to get Vaughn Grissom back. It was a one-for-one trade. Boston sent plenty of money to cover some of Sale's salary as well. And got back Von Grissom. And an everydayers know I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. So I've seen plenty of Von Grissom. And I think I can adequately get you some expectations for what Von Grissom could do. He is, like defensively, he's not really a shortstop. And you saw this last year, some of the shortstops that covered for Trevor Story, weren't necessarily that good defensively. Von Grissom's been that boat as well, and so keeping him at second base is the best way to do things. And the second base, he's fine. He's not going to be a plus short, uh, a plus defender at second, but he's going to be fine. He'll be average at, short, uh, at, at second base defensively. Offensively, really good contact ability. The approach is really good. The overall power isn't necessarily there yet. The exit velocities are fine. It's just... He doesn't always get optimal launch angles, a little bit too much ground balls, things like that. Still a young player, only 22 years old. The makeup off the charts. The clubhouse loves the guy. He's going to be a good fit, and I'm glad. I'm legitimately happy he's getting an opportunity to play every day. But his acquisition does make things a little bit tougher for other Red Sox prospects. And specifically, I'm thinking about two guys that were in double-A last year, Nick York and Chase Medroth. So, for Nick York, first rounder in 2020 out of high school, 110 games in Double-A last year. Spent the entire season there. 268 350 435, 13 home runs, 43 extra-base hits, 51 walks to 122 strikeouts for Nick York and 18 to 23 on stolen bases. The big reason I think you didn't see him move to Triple-A is he did a lot of stuff trying to figure out the right setup at the plate, the right uh, mechanics from a hitting perspective, and he changed things up during the year trying to figure out what works. I think in the end, the the ideal version of Nick York that you could see is a guy that is an average power tool, an average hit tool, and then... Speed, arm, defense is all there around 45 to 50 or so. He played almost exclusively second base, 96 games there. DH some last year. Didn't play any other defensive position, but second. And I think there's a little bit of work still to do with Nick York, just trying to get him into the best possible version of himself. Because mechanically, again, like it's more line drives than home runs, but it's just a lot of things that he's trying to figure out at the plate, what to do. And Chase Medrov kind of caught up to him last year there in double A. Started off at high A, ended up in double A. But fourth rounder in 2022 out of San Diego, 111 games, 271, 408, 391. Nine home runs, 29 extra base hits, 80 walks to 98 strikeouts, 13 of 14 on stolen bases. He, I think, Chase has a little bit better opportunity to cover some third base instead of just second. So there was a little bit more of a path. He's not third in the pecking order at second. And that's the only place he can play. He did actually play more games at third than second last year, 63 games at third 27 at second. And then some, like a handful of DH things power wise, you don't really have above average power and things like that coming from chase 87, Mile-an-hour average exit below, again, 89 and change is MLB average. 101 on the 90th percentile exit below, and again, 103 and change is MLB average. So below average there, still got some time, but a college guy in the minors now for a full year, little bit of games you can expect, but not a ton. But what he does have is a good approach with good contact ability. In the zone, 89% contact rate. So if it's in the zone, Chase is going to hit it. And what's cool is he doesn't really chase a ton, 20% chase rate. So it's more of a like a flat line drive swing than it is a power swing or anything like that. But it's really it's reliable to make contact. And so if I'm projecting forward what these guys are going to do, it feels like Chase has a little bit better hit tool. He has a little more defensive versatility because he's played third base. The speed, the arm, they're all average, really. But he has more experience at third. And so Nick York is a second baseman. He is a, that is it. He is a second baseman. Chase can play second or third, but it's just going to be a question of which one's going to come up first. And do you carry an infield backup to play behind Von Grissom that? Can't play short? Or do you find somebody who can cover shortstop and then find somebody else for second and third? Maybe somebody with some more pop in their bat. There's some there's some questions here to figure out. A couple other guys you'll see. One of them, another trade acquisition, Richard Fitz came from the Yankees. Super weird to those of us outside of Boston who saw the Red Sox and the Yankees made a trade. It's like cats and dogs agreeing on stuff. 27 games in double A. with a 3-4-8 ERA and 152 and two-thirds innings for Richard Fitz. 163 strikeouts, 9.6 per nine, one of the highest marks of the minors last year as far as number of strikeouts. 43 walks, two and a half per nine, 22 home runs allowed, so 1.3 per nine innings. Sinker slider guy, but a a pretty good version of a sinker slider guy. The two-seamer sits around 94 or so. He used to throw a gyro slider. The Yankees turned that into a sweeper. It sits low to mid 80s. He's thrown a cutter in the past. He's thrown a changeup in the past. I think it was the Baseball America write up that said he was looking at maybe changing that circle change to a splitter, which is an interesting. When you look at guys that struggle maybe with a conventional changeup, but they can throw a sweeper, it makes sense that a splitter would be a pitch because the, the way that you release the splitter. It'll naturally kill the spin. If you're not a guy who's good at supination, things like that, you can use something like a splitter to let it naturally kill spin and get the same effect with you not necessarily being able to get a changeup off just right. This is a joke about me always bringing things back to Spencer Strider, but that's another guy who doesn't supinate well, so it's curveball, doesn't really he doesn't really have a curveball, but a splitter would probably use do him some use, and he could add a sweeper if he wanted to. I'm curious to see what Richard Fitz does this year. I assume starts off in AAA. You've got to figure out what that third pitch is. Is it a splitter? Is it a cutter? What is that third pitch? Because two-seam sweeper is a really interesting profile, but it's a little bit limiting because they're both horizontal pitches, and so they each have a weakness on a handedness, which makes you a single-pitch pitcher. Winkleman Gonzalez is the other pitcher that you may or may not see this year depending on how they want to use him. 25 games, high A and double A. 9 and 4 with a 396 ERA and 111 in the third innings. 168 strikeouts, so even more than Richard Fitz, 13.6 per nine, 270 walks, 5.7 per nine, and only seven home runs, 0.6 per nine innings allowed. Strikeout rate for Winkleman Gonzalez of 35.2% was the highest of any minor league pitcher who threw 100 innings or more. And his numbers would be better. He really struggled early in the year. Some off-the-field issues. He worked with the team. They got him some help. They got it fixed. But the stuff is good. The controls is not necessarily there. Fastball sits in the mid-90s. Vertical breaking curveball has a changeup that he throws hard. It's in the upper 80s, but it's got some good late movement to it. And then he whipped out a cutter last year in the upper 80s to give him four different directions and three velocity bands because the changeup and the cutter are around the same speed. Control's just not great. So do you use him in relief and then work him into the rotation or do you leave him in AA or AAA all year to work on being a starter? Big question for Winkleman Gonzalez, but the stuff is good. It's just, where is it going to go, right? In just a minute, interesting lower level prospects to watch. A couple of them are flawed, but still guys we need to pay attention to and talk about. We'll do that next right here. Unlocked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. These are the things that bring home the winning trophy, but it's also what keeps your, car, your vehicle running at peak performance. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're looking for speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your vehicle every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your vehicle running at peak performance at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. I don't think I would have locked in OP prospects here. Talking about the Boston Red Sox, looking at some lower level guys. Got four or five I want to try to get to. We're going to try to squeeze them in this next seven or eight minutes or so. Uh, outfielder Miguel Blyce, IFA in 2021, got 31 games in single A before a shoulder injury ended the year. And the slash line's not necessarily super impressive, but some of the underlying stuff is good. So 230, 282, 325 is the slash line for Miguel Blyce. One homer. Seven extra base hits, 10 walks to 38 strikeouts, 11 to 15 on stolen bases. The end of the day, and yes, small sample size, 31 games, but the contact numbers are good. The power is good. 104 90th percentile exit below at age 18, right? An average of 89. So right there with MLB averages at the age of 18. You can see where there's plenty of potential for growth there. The issue is, very aggressive. Over 50% swings, which means he's making suboptimal contact, he's chasing too much, and it feels like it's a pretty common adjustment you have to see for a player that is new new stateside, new to, obviously, he's pressing a little bit it, his first season in full season ball. This happens a lot. Uh, the issue is, because he got hurt, you don't have an opportunity for him to work that out during the season last year. And so now you're probably going to be looking at sending him back to single A in 2024. And it's just one of those, how much time does he need to catch up to where he would have been? And the goal now should be get him into high A uh, with some time left in the season to get that next level of competition, right? Now, uh, defensive perspective. Speed is plus, the arm is plus, the defense is plus. He played more right field than center field. I do feel like he probably could play more center. I don't know if he's going to end up there or not. Again, really small sample size. But he has the ability to play more center field, I think, than he got to last year. Some of that depends on the roster around you, right? But either way, watch for Miguel Blyce. Blaze Jordan, third rounder out of high school in the 2020 draft. Really interesting kind of year last year. 122 games between high A and double A. And Blaze Jordan was just changing the way that he did things right so 296 351 481 18 homers 51 extra base hits 40 walks to 75 strikeouts and two or two on stolen bases the contact numbers were better right everything went up his overall contact was 77% his in zone was 85 and those were low 70s and low 80s last year so he got better but he did that by sacrificing some power, right? And some of that's approach, right? Like it's, you swing differently with two strikes than you do on a 1-0 count. But his average was 85 and his 90th percentile was 104. And if you think about him in the context of a 205-pound first base power hitter, that's a little disappointing, right? But again, some of this was deliberate for him to adjust. Now, Baseball America had a great note in their write-up on fastballs of 94 miles an hour or higher, his OPS was under 700. So still plenty of work to do. And this is one of the issues you have when you have a guy who's predominantly is in the lower minors is figuring out what he is able to be successful at. Is that sustainable? Is that legitimate? Or is that against uh, below average players who he's not going to be able to face when he moves up into double-A and the triple-A and the bigs. So, definitely want to see what Blaze Jordan does this year from an offensive perspective. Can he hit velocity? Can he hit really good spin? And then defensively, played both third and first. The arm is plus, but a lot of the other stuff is like 40 grade at best. He's going to be a first baseman. Now, Uh, everybody's talking about he's lost 20 pounds, 25 pounds or whatever. Best shape of your life season. That's what this is right now. We'll see how much longer he can stick at third. But either way, it feels like he's going to be a first baseman in the future. The question is going to be, when does he get there? Uh, A couple other guys to talk about. Shortstop Nazan Zanzatello. Second rounder last year out of high school. 13 games, 6-38, 9 walks, 15 strikeouts, 5-6 on stolen bases. The thing is, Looks like a phenomenal shortstop, right? Arm is above average to plus. Speed's above average. Defense is above average to plus. Uh, And it looks like he could potentially have five tools. The exit videos are good. The chase was low. It's just going to be really interesting to see what happens this season for Nason Zandatello. Just intriguing package. You just need to see more. Full season professional baseball is going to tell you a lot. And then two pitchers I want to talk about. Right-hand pitcher Luis Perales. Right-hand pitcher Jordani Manegro. So Perales, 21 games, single A and high A. 4-7 and seven with a three-nine-one ERA in 89 and two-thirds innings. 115 strikeouts, so 11.5 per nine. 250 walks, 5 walks per nine and 10 home runs. Power profile here, right? Fastball sits 95. He can touch 99. It has elite levels of induced vertical break, so it plays up really well up in the zone. Primary off-speed off of that is a cutter a 90-mile-an-hour cutter, it's a great secondary. Not a lot of guys do that. He also throws a slider in the mid-80s. I believe one of the write-ups that I've read, and I've seen this some on film too, is it's a slurvy-looking slider. It's not necessarily that great. And then a change-up that I think Baseball America said he was converting into a splitter this offseason. And so I like the future appeal of finding a third pitch between the splitter and the slider and if he makes the splitter that third pitch you've got three pitches that look like a fastball out of the hand and are probably all going to be high 80s low 90s if not better on the fastball intriguing package there want to see what he does for monegro IFA in 2021 14 games between rookie ball high single a high a six and three with a 206 era 65 and two thirds innings 93 strikeouts to 26 walks, gave up one home run all year. Interesting pieces, it hasn't come together yet, right? So the fastball, low to mid 90s, doesn't have a great body, doesn't have a great shape up in the zone. The induced vertical break numbers are not great on it. Pairs it with a vertical breaking curveball in the high 70s. And because the vertical breaking curveball is the other pitch, that's why you have to keep the four seamer. Because if you throw a two-seamer down, you minimize the effectiveness of the curveball down. So it's an interesting, not great four-seamer with a vertical breaking curveball, right? If it was something that moved horizontally for the breaking pitch, you could mix a two-seamer in instead. He has a slider that is inconsistent shape. Sometimes it looks like a cutter. Sometimes it looks like a sweeper. And that that kind of mirrors a lot of the consistency is not necessarily here. The fastball velocity dips later in a start, things like that. And then he has a changeup that kind of looks like it's a splitter. I can't necessarily tell if this is an organizational philosophy to give guys splitters or a coincidence. This is the year of the splitter. We'll see what happens. But I think the things here consistency of the fastball velocity, consistency of the shape on the slider, and then work on the overall command three and a half walks per nine innings. But it felt like when you watch him, the controls actually worse than that. So let's see how he can make it better. Reminder that we did not get to everybody. There's no way to do that. Somebody you want to hear about, I didn't get to. Let me know for the mailbag. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Lockdown Farm. We have an email, Discord, all of that stuff in the episode description in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.